Welcome to Life Center Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and our church, visit lifecenternyc.com. going to read a few a few verses in here. This should be very familiar for most of us. This is famous teaching called the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus opening up with the Beatitudes here in five. But I want to just read these few verses starting in verse 13 about salt and light. And I know Colt and many others have spoken a lot on this in this house and I just want us to see it in 2023 and looking forward. So if you're there, read with me. Well, I'll read it to you. You follow along with me. Verse 13 of chapter 5. It says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So, Father, we we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you've been saying, what you're doing today. We just ask that you continue to shine your light upon us. You illuminate the word today in our hearts and our minds. Lord, that you would just be with us, lean in just a little bit closer. Let us sense your nearness and your presence. And Lord, give us uh, open eyes and open ears, the eyes of our understanding being opened, being enlightened to know, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that we would understand your word, be able to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So a couple things I want to talk about today, and you know, I decided to open with this verse a little bit different than, than the first service. Because one, one of the things that has been very apparent to me, especially in the past few months, is there has been an unusual presence of the Lord in our midst, in our services. But even as we've been speaking with different friends, different ministries throughout this region, throughout the city, it's been very similar uh, conversation. You know, we haven't necessarily, us and other houses, we haven't necessarily been doing anything very different. We haven't been preaching anything very different or doing different programs. Just the past two, three, four months, there has been just an unusual increase of the presence of the Lord, uh, probably not even just in our region. I mean, we're looking at different churches, different things going on, but I know for sure, just based on people that I've been talking to, something different is in the air. And uh, two or three nights ago, I was... um, put the kids down to bed. Jenny was out. So I was, you know, as a parent of three, have a rare moment of being alone. Uh, so I'm just alone on the couch. And, you know, there's the opportunity. Like, you're tired. Uh, it's the end of the day. You could put a show on. You could do a lot of different things. And, and I actually was probably working my way towards doing that. And I just had a moment. Let me just, let's, let me just sit just for a moment. Let me just sit, put a worship song on, and just sit before the Lord. Because... Um, you know, don't often get opportunity to do that at home. You know, have usually my time with the Lord is 
I get to do that on my commutes, you know, guaranteed time away from my family, my children. I love my children. I'm not trying to get away from them, but you know, you know what I mean. So I hit pause. I just started to sit and just the presence of the Lord just came into my living room. And, you know, that's, it's not new. That's happened to me before, you know, whether living or bedroom, wherever, you know, I've had that moment. But what was unusual is I hit pause. I just sat and then just, just in a moment. And honestly, that has probably been the best description of the past three months for me. That in the moment where I finally, whether it's a Sunday service, whether it's a Friday service, whether it's Tuesday, Wednesday prayer set, whether I'm somewhere else, in the moment where I finally just dial down, hit pause, shut it down, maybe I close my eyes, maybe I get on my knees, maybe I put my hand, I don't know, whatever position that I'm assuming, but I'm coming before him, he has just come. And I know many of us have been experiencing the same thing. And, and I, sometimes, sometimes, prophetically, we need to make an announcement. Sometimes we just need to make an announcement and just say it out loud. We sense it, we feel it, but sometimes we just need to announce, like, the Lord is in our midst. More than just theologically, more than just biblically, where we know where two or three are gathered, we know that he's the one that walks in the midst of the lampstands, which is the church, which is the bride, like, we know that biblically he is in our midst because we're gathered together. But his presence has been here. And there's this song by the Helsers. Uh, it's the name of it? Revival's in the air. So I, that was correct. So it's called Revival is in the air. And there's this phrase in the chorus or the verse somewhere. But she says, revival's in the air. Catch it if you can. And it's been just reverberating in my mind this past week and these past past months. In fact, I probably I should play the song. Juliana listened to it multiple times today. But I haven't actually put it on, but it's just been in my mind because, and this is part, and I'm going to make an announcement in, in, a, in a moment, just prophetically declaring over you guys. We have to recognize the times and the seasons that we're in. It's something that Jesus spoke about. He said, we may not know the hour that the Lord is coming, but we are to know, who's rebuking the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they, they could tell the times and the seasons, they know it's going to rain, but they don't know the hour that they're living in. For him, he was saying, you know, the Son of Man is standing right before you, and you don't even see me. And just like you can predict the weather, so also you should know the times and the seasons that we're living in. And so as believers... We are to mature and grow in recognizing moments where the presence of the Lord is increased in a significant way. And we are in an hour where in the past few months, there and all across the body of Christ, there has been a significant increase of the presence of God. We have not been preaching anything different. We've not even necessarily been doing anything different. He has sovereignly been showing up. And I've had this phrase of this song, revivals in the air, catch it, catch it if you can. And those two, three nights ago, that moment I stopped, he came, I had this thought come in, and the Lord began to speak to my heart. And he said, Rich, yes, you're praying for revival, and I'm, I want to send revival. You're praying for another great awakening. I want to send another great awakening. You're praying for Jesus, people movement, all these things that we've read about in the past, and we want to see an outpouring in our midst, in our city, in our region. We want to see God move. But he's like, but Rich, I've put revival in your heart. 
And I began in a moment, and, and I, I knew the Lord's been encountering, but those two, three nights ago, I forget the exact night it was, I knew, I'm like, Lord, you've awakened my heart. And I, you know, text a few, two, few people and was just talking through it this, this week and just realizing, like, we're, we're believing the Lord for that, you know, capital R revival. But there are moments where it's like there's this lowercase r, and we're not diminishing it, but I'm trying to just help you understand where I'm going here, where there's like this lowercase r revival where he has come and he's making something new. He's bringing something to life. And we can almost go past it or run past it or rush through it because we're just, we're looking for this massive outpouring with signs and wonders and miracles and salvations, which I believe the Lord's going to do. And we can actually lose value for the presence of God in a personal revival in our own heart, in a daily awakening of the Lord that he is saying, oh, revival is in the air. Catch it. It's all around you, Rich. Catch it. Just grab a hold of me and watch what I do. And I, I, um, I know like January 1, New Year's resolutions. I'm sure people here signed up for a gym membership. I'm sure people signed up for diets. I'm sure we're studying something new. Like there's, it's, it's just the, the thing, the Jan one, the fad, you know, ending one year, starting the new. I mean, we're doing a Bible reading plan. These, none of these things are bad things. These are good things. They're, they're all things that will benefit us. But I do think there are some of us that we can look in and, or we can come into January 1 and we, we actually don't set something up for ourselves for the year because we've been discouraged of all the things that didn't happen or we didn't follow through with in previous years. And we can begin to actually position ourselves in such a way based on what didn't happen instead of positioning ourselves based on what is happening. And I want to tell you, there is a grace right now to enter in and start things or pick up where you left off and have grace to see it through to the end. And when I say to the end, I don't mean a resolution just to get you through 2023. I mean, there is a grace to help you see through what he's called you to until the end of your life. I think there's a reminder for us that this life is a race, but it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. And I think there is an invitation for our house and us as individuals. And this is the thing that has been impacting me personally. He's saying, Rich, I want to steady you. I don't want you to be blown around by every wind of doctrine or life. I want to make you steady. Steady looks like you know, oak trees, trees rooted and planted by the streams of living water whose roots grow deep, right? Romans 1.11, we have the Apostle Paul writing to the, to the church in Rome. 16 chapters of amazing, profound theology and doctrine for the growing church in Rome. A, a beautiful letter. But right in the beginning, Paul says in verse 11, I long to come to you, not to teach you something, I long to come to you, not to introduce a new doctrine. He says, I long to come to you, to lay my hands upon you, and to impart a spiritual thing to you so that you will be established. And that word established means so that you'd be rooted, grounded. You don't easily fall over. And 
how does that happen and what's the connection for Paul in Romans 1.11? The thing that establishes you is the impartation that comes from the Holy Spirit. It's the presence of God that comes upon the very word that you're reading, the very thing that you're studying. And he comes and seals and imparts and roots you in the thing that you're growing in. And we're in a season right now where, that's what I said, we've not been doing anything that different. But what's been happening is we're still picking up our word. We're getting in the scripture. We're doing our time of prayer that we've been doing. But now there is a grace and there's an impartation in the spirit to come and anoint you in the moment that you're doing the thing that you've been faithfully doing. But it's going to root you and it's going to ground you and it's going to steady you. And I believe the Lord wants to set us on a path where we're not just looking on, okay, well, how can I just make it through 2023? No, he wants to see how you're going to thrive in 2023. But the point I'm really making is it's not just about 2023. I'm talking about 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. He wants to give you vision 50 years. Where, Rich, where are you going to be 50 years from now? What are you doing today to set yourself up that 50 years, I'm still going to find you burning. I'm still going to find you alive. And I'm still going to find you with passion for Jesus and his kingdom. And there's a grace right now in this season. There's an unusual presence to step back into the mundane, everyday things of reading the word, doing Bible reading plans, coming to a Tuesday or Wednesday prayer set, coming on a Friday night, doing coming back into the practice of the gathering together of the assembly while practicing our faith in word and in community, we're being met with grace and with outpouring right now where the Lord's going to anoint that. And it's going to not just set you up for this season, it's going to set you up for decades. So I'm making an announcement today. There is an invitation to receive the grace and the impartation of the Holy Spirit in this season, in this hour. There is an invitation that he, we will shine his light upon you. We read Matthew 5. This is what I want to point out here. He, I think what we've done well and what the church has been doing well of late, um, there has been the last two years the go of the gospel, and we're going to keep going. He's calling us salt. He's calling us light to go into the world to be salt, to be light, to shine the light before all men. We're going to go out. We're going to evangelize. We're going to do the street thing. We're going to do the, the office thing. We're going to do the home thing. We're going to let people see the light of Christ inside of us. When we get squeezed, Christ's going to come out of us because that's, that's who we are. We're going to keep doing that. But I want, I want to show you. He says, verse 14, you're the light of the world. You are a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives... Light to all who are in the house. There is a returning to the house of the Lord. There is a returning where church is no longer going to be a dirty word. I think we've come through this season and many of us probably have a lot of friends that are believers, but they don't go to church anymore because for them, church has become a dirty word. And I think... Some people have tried to come in and tried, well, we'll do it different and we won't call it this. And we'll, well, we'll do it a home meeting, but it won't, you know, we'll do a small group. We won't call it church. We'll go, guys, it's never been about the name church. The struggle has always, always been about, you know, I'll say it this way. I don't want to say it that way. So let me say it this way. Yeah, because I don't want to open that can of worms. So I'll say it this way. I think the Lord is restoring the, the, this word, church, with revere and honor again. Why? Because it's the name that he picked. 
We can call it other things, but at the end of the day, that's what this is. We are a body of believers, and he says, don't forsake the gathering together of the assembly. But it says this. He says, he's going to set it on the lamp. Light on, a city on the hill cannot be hidden, and anyone who comes into the house. But, and it gives light to anyone who's in the house. I believe that the Lord is bringing restoration to the church where the, the fire on the altar in this house, in many houses throughout this region, is going to begin to burn bright, and it's actually going to draw men back into the church. We're not just called to go be light in the streets, but we're called to create such a place of the presence of God in this space that it actually draws men to. Acts 1-2, that outpouring, the thing that drew thousands was a sound that they heard that was released. It sounded like a rushing mighty wind, but, but that's, it sounded like that. They didn't quite know what it was. It wasn't the tongues that drew them in. It was some sort of sound that was released. I, I believe the scripture shows us that when the church is operating in its full potential and operating rightly, there's sounds that go forth that call people in. I believe when the church is functioning rightly, there is a light that shines forth that elevates us onto a hill that people see the light. What's the, what's the picture here? It's a light on a hill, meaning it's lifted up above all the other busyness and town and structure and buildings. And all of a sudden there's this light up on a hill. This light shines and people come up to see the light. And when they come into the house, they get to partake of that light. And um, I don't want to go into the whole thing. I, I spoke a lot in, of the life of David at the first service, but I just want to say this. One of the things that David did was restore the presence of the Lord to Israel. He brought the Ark of the Covenant uh, out of the enemy's camp, ended up in Obed-Edom's house, figured out how to get it there, carried it on the shoulders of, of men, and restored the presence of the Lord into Jerusalem, into this tent that he had pitched on Mount Zion. Um, but but the, the point I want to make is David, David pitched a tent for the presence of the Lord. He knew that in his, his nation, in his city, the previous leadership had lost regard for the presence of God. Their salt had no longer been keeping its flavor. It, it lost its saltiness. The light has, had lost its luster and shine. And David comes in and he says, we're going to restore the light, the presence of the Lord. We're going to restore the salt, the flavor that comes out of the presence of the scripture. We're going to restore it into Jerusalem, into the city of God. And he leads the way. He humbles himself, puts on a linen ephod, dances wildly before the Lord and brings the Ark of the Covenant into the, the tent, the tabernacle, which he pitched for, for the, the Ark in Mount Zion, in Jerusalem, and establishes 36 years of nonstop worship and prayer before the presence of God. And it would be a prototype for New Testament Christianity that we would see after Jesus' death and resurrection. And he set something up that, you know, if you, if you know anything about the, um, the sacrificial system of the day, Moses' tabernacle, they would come in once a year, high priests would have to come, blood sacrifice, it wouldn't forgive sin, it would just postpone sin for one year until the next year the next high priest would go, so on and so forth. So when David sets up this tent, not only is he bringing the presence back in and making a statement as the leader, as leadership, as a mature Christian, we're not just going to build the city and build our life and do these things the Lord's called us to do without the presence of God. 
we're going to establish that he is the center of everything we're doing. We're not going to just lead this nation or lead our lives based on biblical Christian principles. We're going to use the biblical Christian principles because we know that they are right, but we're going to do it with the presence of God, with him, in relationship with him. He did that as a prototype for New Testament Christianity, which we get to live in today. And he... He set it up, I mean, so, so many things we could talk about, but he set it up that it wasn't just the leaders that would come in. It wasn't just the high priest that would come in. He didn't just say just the, the king's court's going to come in. He said it that, no, in, in this new system, everyone can come before the presence of God. And I, I want to say this over us. There is, you know, you see it in business, you see it in the world, you see it, honestly, a lot of times in the church, there's this 80-20 reality where 20% of the people do most of the work and 80% cover the rest. But in the kingdom, it's not this 80-20. It's not even a 50-50. He is looking for the 100%. He wants every saint, every believer to be equipped for the work of ministry. And so there, there is an invitation for us. There is this, this call that he wants to steady us. There is this invitation for intimacy with God. That we all get to come in before the presence of God. Meaning, I, I can't do it for you. I, I can stand up here. These leaders, we can, we can come up here. We can teach you. We can point you. We can help you along the way. You know, we can say, imitate us as we imitate Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. But at the end of the day, there is an invitation for you to put your hand to the plow. For you to open up the word yourself. For you to take out pen, write notes. You know, you want to know how to grow? You want to know how to get equipped in a practical way? Yes, Rich, I do. Thank you. I'll, I'll tell you. You want to grow? Sermons like this or, or Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights or you're listening to something? Take notes. No, I'm serious. It's, it's practically. Take notes so that you can go back and review them. You're reading, you're doing the Bible reading plan, you're going to go through, you know, sometimes you're going to have the time and you're going to really sit and Take your time, and other times you're just like, I'm just going to be faithful. I have 20 minutes. I'm going to get through it. That's fine. Either way, take notes. Maybe you don't have time to do a deep dive and study right there, but just write it down somewhere. Hey, go back and, and read Genesis 13 because this thing stuck out to me, and I want to see what that is. Ask questions. Get books on subjects that you want to grow in. And, and I, I don't just mean like, you know, I want to learn how to be a bit better leader, so I'm going to read a book on leadership. That's, that's fine. I mean, you don't understand what you're reading when you go through Romans? Go pick up a book about the book of Romans that, where some guy or girl is going to explain it to you. But do it in such a way that it makes sense for you, but be steady, be consistent. Uh, I really feel there is a call to maturity over the church in this hour. You know, if we're going to see an outpouring and we're going to see what prophets are saying, what people have been believing for, where millions come into the kingdom of God, there are not nearly enough pastors, leaders, or churches to disciple that type of outpouring. Each one of us is called to disciple. And I know probably many people in this room, you're, you're not actively discipling someone. And I'm, this is not here to shame you. Um, this is here to encourage you. You can do it. You can find a young believer you can find a fellow believer and you can, you can read through a book of the Bible together and you can just encourage them. You can pour into them. You, don't, you need a little bit more help. We, we do an alpha course. We're going to run it again. Come sign up. Come see what that looks like. Get some training and then, and then you, know, you can help 
help us run the Alpha courses too. And that's a more systemized, practical way. But the Lord has called us all to lead. If we're going to see an outpouring like, like we believe we're going to see, we need more leaders, we need more churches. We're going to see more church. I'm telling you, you're going to see churches get planted in New York City like wildfire. You know, I believe this house, we're going we're gonna to plant more campuses. You know, but the church is going to grow. We're going to grow. We're going to grow, yes, in number, but we're going to grow in maturity. The things that tripped you up in previous years, they're not going to trip you up forever. The things that you've struggled with, they will not be a forever struggle. I think sometimes we take the, the Paul's thorn in the flesh and we apply it to 17 things. Paul had one thorn in the flesh, you know, and, and I see us like we, we got a whole thorn bush, you know, and I think some, some of that is we, we, we're just, and I say this very nicely and respectfully, but we're, we're making excuses and it's time for us to lay down every excuse. We know we serve a God who is able to keep us from stumbling. Feliz Navidad. <laughs> We're still on Christmas. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. You could take it in the lobby or tell your call it back, okay? Yeah, yeah. You're good. Um, <laughs> don't worry. You're, you're fine. So listen, this is a call for us to step into something in this next year, in this next season of our life. I believe there's people in this room, you guys are going to lead ministries in this house. So the Lord is going to call some of us to step up into a place of leadership. The Lord's going to call some of us to step up into a place where you're, you're going to do the thing you've been afraid to do. Do you know what my greatest fear in life was growing up? Public speaking. No, serious. The Lord has a sense of humor. i rather die than public speak, which is a really common phenomenon. They, they've done so many studies, like, like top fears. It's like public speaking, dying. It's like, it's usually right under. It's like, I'll take number two <laughs> and public speak. I remember the very first time, I mean, I had to do it in school all the time. And that was just, I hated it. But the very first time I did it like, like this, like to speak a message. You know, I wrote down everything I wanted to say in a piece of paper. I was so nervous. Literally the paper, the sound of the paper shaking was louder than my voice. Like that's, that's how it was. But do you know how I got better at this? It wasn't that I had this divine encounter and all of a sudden the fear went away. It wasn't that I took this class and now I all of a sudden learned how to do it and now I no longer was afraid. I got comfortable and the fear left because I just did it over and over again. If we could just step over the chicken line of the things in our life that the Lord's called us to and we're afraid to do it, we'll find, oh, there's grace on the other side of this line. There's grace on the other side of this wall that I've been standing behind. A couple more things. I, I believe... that in growth, we also need to remember how to position ourselves as sons and daughters. This is a season of coming back to the fathers and the mothers and the mentors in your life. I think as sons and daughters, we have this expectation that our spiritual parents or maybe, you know, maybe it's natural parents, maybe it's mentors, that they're going to constantly chase us down. Uh, but as sons and daughters, we're to pursue them. We're to pursue them. But I, I do want to say, it, a spiritual mother, father, a mentor, someone 
It just, it's someone that you recognize that has something that you want or need. And then just finding time to get around them, pursuing them. Maybe it's asking them questions. But, you know, they may not have time to get around you every week or multiple times a week, but maybe it's a once a month phone call. Maybe it's consistent texting. Maybe it's a lunch every once in a while. But I want to position myself in this season as a son and get around people that feel bigger than me, get around people that are carrying things or walking in breakthrough that I'm not walking in, and I want them to honor that thing that's on their life so that their breakthrough can become my breakthrough. We see this with Jesus and the disciples. He sent them out two by two. He had the 12, he had the 70 or the 72, and he would send them out and they would come back, and that's where we see the locker room talk. He's like, oh, this, we cast this out, we cast that out, and Jesus like, oh, I saw Satan fall like lightning. I mean, they were doing the work with the Lord, and they came up under and they were functioning under this anointing. Why? Not because they had received the Holy Spirit yet. Jesus would then turn and say, I'm going to go to the Father, but now you need to tarry in the city until you're endued with power from on high. And then we see the Acts 1, Acts 2 outpouring where they get the Holy Spirit and then they get sent in their ministry. So what were they functioning in? They were functioning in in Jesus as an anointing by honoring and being around the one who had the breakthrough that they needed. And they were moving in signs and wonders, not because it was necessarily what they carried, but it was because what he carried and they got around him. Sometimes, and there's twofold here, we know we need breakthrough in this area. Get around someone that's had breakthrough in that area. But then don't think that just because you get around them and all of a sudden you're free, like now I got it. No, get around them long enough until you have your, then have your own encounter. Then their breakthrough becomes your breakthrough completely. And then you can go and bring other people breakthrough and have people get around you. Does that make sense? This is very practical today. Very, but really just kind of giving you some things to sink your teeth into coming into the new year. The other thing I started to do the past few weeks, and I just found myself doing it, and I, I want to encourage us to do, to do it together. I've been, again, just knowing, like, Lord, I have all these things I want to see, all these things I want to do, but at the end of the day, I want to make sure that I'm doing what you're doing. So, Lord, I, I lay down my agenda again. You know, I think these plans are yours. I think these dreams are yours. I think you've given them to me, but here, I, I'm handing them to you. I'm laying it down. I, I want to do what you're doing. I want to say what you're saying. I want to go where you're going. This was the model that Jesus had with his father. He said, I only said and I only did what I saw and I heard the father saying. It's the model he gives us today. And what I've found in my life is I'll take something that I feel like is a dream, something that the Lord's called me to, something that he's assigned me to, that, um, you know, maybe I'm not walking in it yet, but it's like I want to pursue it. And I'll lay it down and I say, Lord, I hand this back to you. And then I'll wait to see if he hands it back to me. Because I want to keep checking my alignment. I want to keep checking my heart. I want to make sure I'm not building something that he's, I want to make sure I'm not building something that he's not building. I want to build something that he is building. I don't want to build without the Lord because they who build without him labor in vain. I don't want vain building. I don't want to waste my time on, on just my own stuff and my own selfish ambition. You know, selfish ambition can feel like good ambition, but without him, it's selfish ambition because he is the one that makes it truly good and that can feel very like general but again practically it's just it's conversations like lord i think you've called me to do this but i'm going to lay this down and then just see if maybe you 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 feel him give it back to you or it gets brought back up again you know it doesn't have to be this waiting for this dream or this angelic encounter it's like lord i lay down this scroll to you and you throw it up into heaven and disappears and see if it comes back but it's just Maybe it's just writing in the journal, like, hey, I feel like I'm supposed to do this. 
Lord, am I supposed to do this? I'm laying it down at your feet again. And then just seeing if there's that yes again from God. And it's just this, this check-in. It's just this check-in, this check-in. And I think it helps with continu- continuing to live a life every day, not just by the word of God, but by the presence of God. This last thing. It's part of why even a couple nights ago I, I took the moment to do it because I'm not naturally prone to be alone. I, I'm an extrovert. If you've ever taken the Myers-Briggs like uh, personality thing, I'm, I'm 98% extrovert. Um, I just love being with people. I, get, I thrive and get strength being with people. I could be so tired, uh, but then people come around and I'm just awake. And I, I know the introvert's on the other side of the scale, but I'm talking about extroverts right now. Um, so for me, I, when I hear the scripture, be still and know that I am God, I have a really hard time being still. Um, you know, just constantly love to do something, just doing, doing, doing. You know, even when I'm relaxing, I, I'm probably listening to something or watching something. I don't have a lot of time where I just sit and listen without any other noise. And I, I, I think there's an invitation again for us to listen, to take the time, the selah, and make it. Again, you know, maybe you can relate to me. I don't have the hours to do that. For me, it's finding the 10 minutes, finding the five minutes, finding maybe 30. Maybe I'm, I get to do it on the commute and just, you know, put some headphones on and just lock in with him. But find the time and be still to know him. I think there's a knowing that's going to come in the being still before him. There is a knowing that's going to come where we're going to begin to hear his voice clearer. We're going to begin to know him better. We're going to begin to walk with him. It's this invitation to be. You know, the, the thing that makes us a church is not because there's a name on, on the wall outside. You know, we, we're not a church because we meet on Sunday morning. We're a church because Jesus is here. We are his church because his presence dwells among us. He is the one that makes us the church. We're not a saint. You know, Ephesians and throughout we see the Lord calls us saints. We're not saints because we don't do this and we do this. We're not saints because we have been abstaining from these bad behaviors and doing these good biblical principles, though that is healthy and that is right living and those are things we strive for. But we're saints because he calls us saints. We're defined by his voice speaking to us. We get that through the audible and we get that through his written word. We are a church because that's what he calls us and because he's here with us. Everything we do has meaning because of him. Everything we will do will have meaning because of him. And at the end of the day, everything we do that is worth it will be rewarded with him. He's your prize of this life. He's your prize. He's your reward. He's the thing that we get, and he's better. Remember, um, Dan Bauman was here a couple weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago, and he said this. He's challenging us. Some of you may or may not have been here, but he said, if I gave you the option right now to have $2,000 or $20, which one would you pick? You guys remember this, some of you? And he's like, you're going to pick $2,000, right? I'll ask you again. 
If you, if you had the option today to get $2,000 or $20, what are you going to pick? Yeah. Right, yeah. And Dan was funny. The $20, we'll have to talk about that later. He's like, no, we all want the $2,000. Now, when you get the $2,000, are you going to be thinking about the twenty? No. no, why? Because what you got was so much better than what you didn't get. This is the invitation of this walk with the Lord. When we lay down what we feel like we needed to get what is better, even when it's hard to do it, even when it's hard to press in, even when it's hard to wake up, say like, oh, I got to do the Bible reading again today. Because I know that's probably very real. It's like, oh, I'm tired. I could just sleep in Sunday mornings. I could go next week. Friday night, I'll go next time. But you know what? And, and this is not me saying it's performance, like you have to be in this building. There is something about doing the Christian practice, the gathering together, the reading of the word, the spending of the time. He shows up. You know, we're coming off, and, and I'm not going to pick a fight with it today, but we're coming off of like a, a generation that started to question their beliefs. Why do we go to church? Why do we do these things? Why do we do any, all this? You know, and, and they were asking the questions of each other, right? They weren't actually coming to the Bible and looking for the answers. So they were looking for the answers they wanted to find. And you know, we're coming out of that season. That was a rough season. And it's what, what I said before. I actually don't think I, I ended up saying it, so I'll say it now. I think a lot of us, we have friends that, have, that are Christians, but they no longer go to church. And I want to encourage us to invite them to church again in this season. And it doesn't have to be here. Maybe this is not the practical place for them to go. I have a couple of friends that they love the Lord, but I'm like, you know, you're not growing because you're not planted. You want to grow, but you have to be in community. You can't grow outside of community. And so, we got heavy in the room when I said it. it was like, but it's, this is true. This is true. It's like we, we want to mature and exceed and, and have like growth in life, but we, we, we don't plan ourselves. We don't give the time. We don't show up. And, but I'm specifically saying, because I feel like it's an assignment for us, and I've been doing this. I've been identifying some of my friends that, that they love the Lord. I wouldn't even consider them prodigals, but they're not. They're just out doing Christian life alone. In the kingdom of God, you're either taking ground or you're losing ground. There is no neutral ground. So those who think they're just out idle on neutral, they're actually losing ground and they don't realize it. And what do I mean by taking ground and losing ground? I just mean growing in intimacy with the Lord. Like you're either growing in intimacy or you're growing out of intimacy. There is no neutral. There's no pause. If you're pause and you're not doing anything, then you're atrophying. Think of it like working out. If, um, I know I'm not the picture of working out, but <laughs> you, you find someone that's working out and you talk to them, you know, yeah, in the seasons that they're, they're lifting the weights and they're doing the exercises, their muscles grow. In the seasons that they stop, the muscles atrophy. There's no neutral ground. It's the same in a relationship with the Lord. He wants to continue to pursue relationship with us. And I've been just approaching some of my friends, some of these people I know. I'm like, where are, what are you doing with your life? What are you doing? Find a church. You're never going to find a perfect church. If you were looking for a perfect church, if you're telling like, Rich, Life Center is the perfect church, I'm like, I don't know if you see us rightly. We're not perfect. 
No church is going to be perfect. That's, that's the point. He's perfect. It's him. But I feel like I want to challenge us. Find those people that are off and, and challenge them. Pick a community and just go. I literally have had this conversation in the last six months where I'm just like, I, oh, I, I'm thinking about this church, that church. I'm like, guys, we've been thinking about this for three months. Just pick one. If you have to flip a coin, flip the coin and pick it. Like, stop waiting for the words to appear in the cloud. Just pick the church. Don't try it. Because I don't like, oh, I'm going to try this church. No, there's no trying. Where's Yoda? There's only do. If you, if you try a church, that church will fail you. If you try a relationship, that relationship will fail you. Because there's no trying. There's only committing and sh- fully showing up. If I don't fully show up, then I cannot actually benefit of the place that I'm at because I'm just looking in from the outside. And when you look in from the outside, you can observe and you will always observe the thing that you were afraid to find. But by entering in and getting in the depths of it and rooting yourself, you get in the mess. And there's beauty in the mess. There's life in the mess because this is what living is. Living is pain. Living is love. Living is hurt. Living is the dream come true and the dream not coming true. This is life. And he is the one that will steady you in this process. Pursue him. Do like David did. Invite the presence of the Lord back into the center of your life. We've been doing that as a church, we, we are, and we will continue to do that. Let him come and steady you. Open up your word. Receive of the grace of the outpouring that's in this season to step into kingdom things and actually have empowerment to walk in it. And I'll, I'll end with this. There is... Um, there's this phrase in, in uh, I think it's in Zechariah, and someone will correct me. But it says, in the, in the time of the latter rain, ask for the rain. In the time of the latter rain, ask for the rain. You're like, why would I ask for rain when it's raining? That doesn't make sense. But the, the, the point is this. In the time where you sense that he's near, Yes, receive the rain, but ask him for the deluge. We ask for more. We ask for more because there's always more. We are in a season, if I can have the worship team come up, where I believe the rains of the Lord are pouring out over us. There is an opportunity to step into grace, to receive an impartation from heaven that will steady you, it will root you, it will plant you. There's an opportunity to take risks on relationships, but there's an invitation to show up. Do some of the same things you've been doing and watch the Lord come and anoint and pour out and fill and refresh. We're not just building a house that the Lord comes and visits. We're doing like David. We're pitching a tent here. We're setting this house like a city on a hill. We're not going to hide the light. We're not going to hide the weird things that we do. (laughs) We're going to lean into them. We're going to let it shine so that people can come and experience the light as they come into this house. I want to speak over you prophetically in this moment. Some of you guys used to dream 
have prophetic dreams at night, and lately, in the past, maybe the past couple of years, it's just not been the same. The Lord's going to begin to open up your dream life again. just see this picture of him fanning into flame the gifts of the spirit in this house I feel like the Lord's saying this is going to be the year of, of the intercessor in this house it, it is something that we carry but your your identity, your call as an intercessor I'm speaking to those if I'm speaking to you, just receive it. It's going to have new meaning this year. We're going to see prodigals come home. We're going to see ones that are so far gone, they're going to be brought near by the blood of Christ. There's something about communion this year. The table of the Lord is blood and body. It's going to draw you in, draw you near. Something about sitting at the table of the Lord, sitting before Him. And I just see the Lord blowing His wind on some of your backs, pushing you forward. I just have this picture of us lifting up like a, a sailboat, lifting up our hearts as a sail so we can catch the wind. Guys, there is revival in the air. His life, his presence, his blood, his body, his word, his healing, his deliverance, all of who he is, he's making available to us. Matthew 5, we see in the Beatitudes, one of those phrases, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be filled. He's restoring hunger and thirst. He's going to make us hungry again. He's going to make us thirsty again. And we will be filled. Why don't you stand with me? put your hands out before the Lord I'm speaking over you again you're going to be a world changer you're going to be a history maker you have influence greater than you can ever imagine you are in the right place at the right time you are with the right people he's going to order your steps some of you have have this fear of loss where you just this underlying fear that something bad is going to happen the Lord wants to silence that voice of accusation it's this constant thing like well if something good happened well something bad now is going to happen no he's going to deliver us of that mindset Lord I pray for this house Lord, that we would enter into the grace of the hour that we're living in. (laughs) 
Lord, we feel the pulling upon our heart. We hear the invitation of your voice and we say yes. We want to be still and we want to know. We want to know you, Lord. And we're going to go into worship. We're going to have the ministry team come up. If you just want someone to pray with you, just partner in with what we're talking about today. It could be anything I shared. It could be even what was shared throughout the day. Bill and Tammy were talking about the taking every thought captive or anything else. Whatever it is, you, you just know there was a word brought forth and hit my heart. I just need someone to partner with me, pray with me. And we're just going to ask the Lord to release grace. We're going to open up the altars in a moment. Just come on up. Ministry team will pray with you. But Father, I thank you for the grace that's available for today. Lord, I ask for personal revival upon every heart in this room, that their hearts would come alive, that you'd capture their heart, that you'd encourage them, they dream again, they'd experience life again. Lord, they would experience your presence like never before. We thank you, Lord. Come on, let's worship. And if you want prayer, come on up. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can also follow us on Instagram at LifeCenterNYC or YouTube at LifeCenterChurchNYC.